Pentecost, like many of the New Testament feasts, stands as sort of a culmination of many allusions and allegories in the Old Testament. And so you can understand it by looking back in the Old Testament. And last night when we celebrated the Pentecost Vigil, you see that there's a series of four Old Testament readings which sort of give context to Pentecost. And so if you look all the way back in the Garden of Eden, you see the spirit of the Lord hovering over the waters in creation. And then in Genesis, you have the great story of the Tower of Babel. And you will notice that after that event, the people are scattered and then speak many different languages. And the theological point is that because of sin, the unity of the human race has been broken. There is now divisiveness. There is now polytheism, the worship of many gods. You see polygamy in the Old Testament. There is no unity anymore. The unity which existed back in the garden has been broken because of sin. And now is there, there is divisiveness. And so what you then see God begin to do is unfold his plan of salvation to bring thing, all things back into one. And so first God enters into a covenant with Abraham. He enters into a covenant with an individual and with one family. And then God enters into a covenant with Moses and with Israel. So God moved from one family to now one nation. And then under King David, God enters into a covenant with this kingdom. So he's moved from a nation now to a kingdom which begins to spread. And then in the time of the prophets, it is foretold that the days will come when God will once again breathe out his spirit upon mankind, just as he breathed into Adam the breath of life in the garden which was lost through sin. Now he will one day breathe forth his spirit upon mankind. And then we see Pentecost. In the Acts of the Apostles, you see precisely what Luke is trying to do. He's showing that now once again, they're speaking in tongues. The scattered and confused languages of mankind are now brought together in the spirit. And then the disciples go forth and they preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And this is the culmination then of God's plan to undo the divisiveness and the scattering of sin. God desires to bring all people, the ends of the earth, back together in his one church, the mystical body of Christ, the unfolding of the divine plan. And so that is why Paul talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The divisiveness of sin is now being healed by God in the church. And so we have one Lord, because as I tell the school kids all the time, Christ is always the answer. And Christ is the answer and the remedy to the effects of sin and to sin itself. So skin sat, sin scattered, all things become one in Christ. We have one faith. And so what you see the Lord trying to do is he's trying to join together in union the intellects, the minds of humanity. Be of one mind, one baptism. Christ pours out his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And so our wills then, our hearts, should be joined together by baptism. One in mind, one in heart. Also through baptism we enter once again into the family of God, one family. We partake of the one Eucharist, 
And we all should then have the same goal, the glory of God and the salvation of souls, the spread of the kingdom of God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now this unity which God is trying to spread upon the earth will only be brought to its fulfillment ultimately in the kingdom of heaven. That is when we will have perfect unity. And so you see it is a work in process. That is why there is still divisions even within the church because we are not fully conformed to Christ. We still have some of those effects of sin. That's why there's messiness in the church and there will be until the kingdom of heaven when we will truly then be joined together this oneness, this aspect of how God was going to bring back unity to the human race, interestingly, is what got the, the apostles killed. The Roman world was very much like our world. The Romans were fine with you worshiping God. They didn't care. But they cared about two things. One is you had to worship the cult of the emperor. So you could worship your gods, but nothing was higher than the res romana the Roman Republic. And the second thing the Romans could not stand is exclusivity. You could worship your God, but then you had to be okay with everyone else's God, this relativism. And so once the Christians begin to claim exclusivity, once the Christians begin to preach that no, there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Romans took offense, just as the modern world takes offense. And so unity, per the plan of God, ultimately only comes about through Christ. And so when we get frustrated with divisions, and we do, I get frustrated with the divisions in the church. When I was a seminarian, I'd get frustrated with the divisions in the seminary. The answer is always Christ. The more we conform ourselves to Christ, and we do those things which conform us to Christ, we confess our sins, we pray the rosary, we meditate upon the life of Christ, we adore our Lord, we come to daily mass, we come to weekly mass. The more we conform ourselves to Christ, the more there will be unity in the world. Christ is ultimately God's answer to the divisiveness of sin. All things will be summed up and gathered together in Christ alone.